Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here it is. Friday, March 26th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. I wish we were having a far more festive episode than this one, but this is where we sit right now. And it comes after a Flyers 8-3 loss against the New York Rangers. As a media guy, I've been in the media for a really long time, you learn to try and take emotion out of any analysis you have. As fans, I talked about this in yesterday's episode, it's emotional. And as a media guy, you try and remove that emotion. But I find that getting increasingly more difficult, removing the emotion, because it's frustrating. And we're going to get to a bunch of Twitter questions. And this is as frustrating as I can remember it in a long time. And maybe it was just as frustrating or more at other times in sports fandom with the Flyers or any of the teams, really. But you don't remember them as raw as this feels right now. This feels raw. Because we came in with expectations, and rightfully so. And we saw a team in the beginning of this season getting wins, even though they weren't playing great, but we thought they'd straighten that out and keep winning or maybe hit a hiccup, but they'd overcome it and they'd come together. But what's happened here in the month of March has been anything but. It's been a spiral. I pride myself on feeling like I always have the answer <laughs> or at least some my opinion of what the answer should be. And I feel like I'm running out of answers here. I don't know what it's going to take for this group to get over this, get past this. If it's a level of acceptance, I refuse to accept it. I think we all refuse to accept it because we know that this is not what we should be seeing. And maybe there's some sort of realization that we overvalued certain aspects or players or or anything based on last year and What a team was the year before doesn't give you any guarantee that they'll be that the following year. That goes for players, too. I'm trying to get to the point that I I think I refuse to allow acceptance. And, you know, the, the thing that I have a really hard time coming to grips with here is that that's a team that they lost last night to eight to three. But eight days prior, they lost to nine to nothing. And that's where I have such a hard time because you lost to them 9 nothing, and then they got out to a 6 nothing lead. They scored a goal in the—how many times have we talked about segments of the game, important segments, first minute of a period, last minute of a period, after you score a goal? Second period, within the first minute, goal. Third period, you're on the power play. You give up a three-on-one shorthanded goal. And that all of those elements make it really hard for me to come to a position of acceptance. As I said, I try to remove emotion from it, but I can't remove my past. And my past is that I grew up in this town. I grew up in Philadelphia. In Delaware County and then in Chester County. Lived in Old City for seven years. Now live in the suburbs in Westchester. And when my dad 
exposed me to the sport of hockey. He exposed me to the Flyers. He was a fan. I was a fan. I am a fan. And I can't just turn that off. And I get everybody's frustration. I do. And sometimes I try and handle the difficult situations. And I do everything I can to be more analytical than emotional. But right now, I'm emotionally angry. I'm angry. Because again, the team that they lost to last night, 8-3, to three, was a team they lost to eight days prior to that, 9 to nothing. And I can't wrap my head around accepting that. I can't. So what is the answer? I'm, I don't know the answer at this point. I don't know what they need to do. It's a weird year because with the, the pandemic, players are more isolated than ever. We're not in the locker room. No media is in the locker room. They have their bubble and the, the, the team staff that's in the lock, that's down there and is on that same clearance level as them, if you will. But regular media, none of us are down there. I don't know what it's like. I don't know what the room's like. I don't know if they're tight when they're or tense when they're lined up in the hallway to go out for a period or if they're loose. Last year before the pandemic, I could tell you those things. I probably wouldn't have told you because, but, but I would have a vibe. I'd have a feel. I have no feel. I'm not connected enough. Nobody's connected enough. But I think what we know is that whatever's going on in, in the way this team's preparing, the way this team is responding right now is not working. And look, I don't think that this is a, a thing a, a where players aren't trying. I think they're trying. They want to get out of this. They're embarrassed. Nobody wants to lose. They're not accepting it. But whatever is happening is not working. And that's the part that I can't accept. Because at some point, when you lose to a team 9 nothing, you can't go down in the next game 6 to nothing. This isn't, you know, the disparity in the two teams is not that great where it's that pronounced. You can't have a guy like Mika Zibanejad with two six-point games on you in a row. I mean, come on. So I'm frustrated just like everybody else. And I'm, I'm let's get to these Twitter questions. Um, I'm going to get to as many as I can. It's late right now. I try to gather my thoughts the whole ride home. And it's weird doing this podcast for a little transparency. I get done the game, then I get home. I'll get home around 1130. And I'll make sure my kids are asleep and everything's in order. And then what I'll do is, you know, get, get my stuff in order to come up to the studio. And I sit in the studio, and I'm by myself. I'm sitting in this room by myself in my little home studio. And I'm having a conversation with all of you. But I don't see you. Um, I know you're listening because I know the, the podcast analytics are, are very good. And I appreciate all of you that listen. But like as I sit here, like I'm having a conversation and and I hope it comes across what I'm trying to to express how I, I feel right now. And frankly, I'm pretty pissed off. I'm pretty pissed off. And the emotion of the history I have with this organization has me that way. And again, maybe tomorrow I'll be more analytical, which will be when you hear this on Friday. 
But right now, I'm not much in the mood to be analytical. All right, so let's get to the questions. Let's start with Cord Blaney. He's our first tweeter. He said, 17 goals in two games. Honestly, is what happens in beer leagues. Our D is stinking horrifically, and these goaltenders can't even keep us in a game. Eight goals on 23 shots. Unreal. It was actually 22 shots. Flyers outshot the Rangers 44-22. to And look, everything... I've been obviously a big defender of Carter Hart's, and in tomorrow's episode, you're going to hear Kevin Woodley um, from Ingoal Magazine and Ingoal Radio Podcast, who is a goalie expert, and he breaks it all down. He's for he works for is kind of the goalie whisperer for Sportsnet, and and is advanced beyond any anybody that I've ever even met about goaltending, and he is going to. Tell us what he sees in Carter Hart year to year. And he's watched a lot of Carter Hart. So you're going to get a, a real big crash course in goaltending. But it's odd, Cord, because in watching the game, the five goals that Carter gave up on, I think, 11 shots, um, they're, if you look at them all individually, they would all be considered or categorized as expected goals. They would. Ones that the goalie wouldn't make the save on very high quality, high danger chances, but your goalie needs to make some of those saves too, right? I mean, you, you saw Igor Shosturkin make some of those saves in the game. I mean, Carter actually made some nice saves in the game as well, but things ultimately just broke down completely, but he's obviously fighting his confidence in a huge way right now. And he's got to get back to the foundation of what got him to this level and what got him success in year one and year two and in the playoffs last year. It's hard to do when your environment is very sketchy, but they, they become two things that feed each other. Like I've said before, bad goaltending and getting, you know, needing a save and not getting it. And then breakdowns and, you know, the goaltender needing some structure when he needs it as well. And they're not getting either of those things right now. And but no matter what what you say, seventeen goals in two games against that team, <laughs> unacceptable. Um, Isaiah from the uh, OMB Puckcast says, "Doesn't some type of message need to be sent by the force of action from the GM? Something reasonable, not a Tyrone Goldborn type move. It's a bloodletting at this point, and the coach obviously has no answers. It's a great question, and it's one that you know. What are the options? What what can you do?" Um, you know, and a lot of people on here are suggesting is AV in trouble? Should the coach be fired? And and like when teams struggle in sports and struggle badly, like the Flyers are right now, that's obviously a legit question because it's happened so often when teams have struggled. But I refuse. I, I don't believe it's the coaching staff. Again, we're not in the room. I don't know any of the dynamics, but I don't believe this is a coaching issue. I really don't. Elaine Vigneault did a tremendous job with this team last year. He was a Jack Adams runner-up for Coach of the Year. And, you know, when we got to the pause last year and this team even won around in the playoffs and got to the second round in seven games against the Islanders, even though it wasn't pretty, but that was a huge progressive step forward. But what, the, what it's been this year to this point has been a pronounced multiple, multiple step backwards. So what, is, what can the GM do? And we had Chuck Fletcher on, 
and he mentioned it that the the market right now is a is a seller's market. Well, no, it's excuse me, it's a buyer's market. If you're trying to make a move that's got any kind of cap hit attached to it, good luck. Nobody's taking on cap. Flat cap world, nobody wants to take on cap at this time. So if you're going to make a move and have a, have some impact on the NHL team, it has to be of a player that's on the team. The only problem is, is that teams aren't just taking on money. So that makes it very difficult. So I, I don't know what the the... The answer is, I really don't. I wish I did. I mean, could you waive somebody? I guess you could. Who are you going to waive? And are you just doing that just to shake up the shake up the entire room? Maybe. Maybe you could do that. And if you waive somebody, I mean, you obviously risk losing them if they're not if they're claimed on waivers, they're gone. And do you have the fill in? But I, I I don't know what the answer is. I really don't. Yeah, like Quarterback Factory on Twitter says, what can you even do at this point? I'm lost for where to go from here for both the short term and long term. Now, that's different. At this point, like, I'm not sure how to get them out of the spin spin cycle that they're in right now, the lather, rinse, repeat of what's going on. But long term, that's a whole different that's a whole different conversation. Not one I want to have right now, but that's a different conversation. And there are answers there. Because you will get into an offseason, and there will be the opportunities to, to do some things of significance and make some changes if if that's what they choose to do. We'll see. I don't know what their plan is, but I imagine that obviously over the, the last little bit here, we'll see how the remainder of this season goes. Uh, but there's some question marks now. Uh, superstar Billy Graham on Twitter says, name the number one thing that could be done now to stop the bleeding, a benching, a call-up, a death skate. Well, look, they're going to have their first practice today in 12 days, regular practice. They just don't have time to do that. You have 17 games in the month of March. you you got a team that's already tired. They're tired. They're playing more hockey in a condensed period of time than they ever did coming out of a COVID pause. So a death skate is cutting off your nose to spite your face. It doesn't do you any good. You already have a tired hockey team. They're already managing load management, like almost like the NBA with practice and everything else. You can't do that. A call-up? Okay, who who's the guy to call up? Maybe Tanner Lashinsky? But, look, he's a, a rookie. He's just cutting his cutting his teeth for the first time in the AHL after four years at Ohio State. Uh, you know, there's not a savior down with the Phantoms right now. It's not like Ryan Howard when Jim Tomey was here and he could just come up and you, you don't have that guy. A benching? AV's tried benching, guys. Um We've seen healthy scratches for Phil Myers and Travis Konechny and obviously Shane Gostisbehere and Eric Gustafson, Robert Haig earlier this season, Sam Moran, who was back in the lineup. So, again, I, I wish I had the answer for you. I, I'm being transparent here. I don't have the answer of what exactly they should do. Um, I don't think any of us do. And I see it a lot here on my timeline in response to the solicitation that, hey, um, I don't know what to do. I think a lot of us don't know what to do. And that's and maybe that that's one of the things that's fueling our anger even more. Um, Colin Newby tweets in and he says, Fletcher, Chuck Fletcher told you in yesterday's episode that Pro Rolf has played well in the month of March. Is it reasonable to think any defenseman has played well in a stretch when the team has been this ugly defensively? Good, great question. And, you know, Chuck said that 
individually, he feels like Ivan has played well. He didn't say that, but that's what I'm assuming he meant. And look, I think that Ivan Provorov has to, to do more pending who his partner is, especially in the D zone. And th- my point of the question that I asked Chuck was about the top pair uh, being the biggest question mark coming into the season. And he talked about Provorov, but I wasn't talking necessarily about Provorov. I'm talking about the top pair in total. The Whoever is on the, the, the top pair with him in that area. So um, I think Chuck Fletcher is well aware that the team defensively has been a mess. And while Ivan has been really good at points, I think that he hasn't been as consistent either. And I think part of that is depends who you're playing with and lack of consistency with who you're playing with as well. I think that affects that. But Eddie Maria tweets in and he says, it's one thing to determine the problem. It's another thing to execute on the solution. Is this team and coaching staff capable of executing a solution? Great. I'll tell you what, you guys are on fire tonight because that's a great question. Um, We know what the problem is, that it's a lack of detailed play, lack of structure, not bearing down in key moments in games, key times, first minute, last minute of a period, after you score a goal. The little things. We know what the problems are. But again, to your question, it's another thing to execute on the solution. What is the solution? That's the great question. Uh, I don't know what the solution is. In a normal year, I'd say make a huge trade, shake it up. I don't know that that's possible right now. You are in a flat cap world with a looming expansion draft. And no GMs want to take on any cap hit. So what is the solution? I don't know. Thomas Nye tweets in and he says, how much of an impact has the COVID break had on the conditioning for the team? He said, we had a long break with no practices and our schedule got condensed after that even further. Do you think a lack of conditioning has led to fatigue for the team? I think that might be part, that's part of it. A lot of teams are dealing with this, Thomas. Some of, you know, to varying degrees dealt with it. The Flyers, they had a pretty significant amount of players uh, get hit with it and come back kind of in a, in a staggered fashion. I mean, you saw somebody like Buffalo, and they've never gotten their nose up, but that's Buffalo, so we don't know how much the COVID, they had a severe outbreak, COVID outbreak, so did the New Jersey Devils. But both of those teams weren't predicted to be good. The Flyers were, so I don't know. It, look, conditioning and timing and all that stuff when they first got back, you know, and we talked to guys, you guys heard it on here. You know, not being on the ice for two weeks in the middle of a season and then just jumping back into a game is difficult for a pro athlete to perform at that level. But they've all been back for a while now. And, yeah, there's fatigue, and I'm sure they're tired. And I understand that they're tired, and mental mistakes happen when you're tired. But the thing that I have a hard t- that I have a hard time kind of coming to grips with is in, in the one game, they got down in the game, and it was the back-to-back the other night, and then... In the third period, they came barnstorming back. So if they were tired, how did they come barnstorming back? So is it a factor? Probably. Is it an excuse? Hell no. All right, Corey tweets in. He says, it's at SquidBrain269. He says, no soapbox speech or trip around practice ring can fix this. How do the players fix their culture and mentality? How do they hold each other accountable? What does it take for these guys to play hard for each other and gel as a sleek, skilled, smart team? This is an internal fix. 
I agree with you to an extent. I, I think that the top pair defenseman thing is obviously an issue. They have issues that have been exposed. But as far as how do they hold each other accountable, I mean, these guys got to be pros. You got, they got to do the right things. They got to, the detailed things. You have to be a pro every night. And you have to be diligent. And you have to work hard. Just because you have a ton of skill and you got to the NHL doesn't mean you get to stay. They're all embarrassed and they're all working hard. You know, sometimes you say work smarter, not harder. They're making it so hard on themselves with lapses. Uh, Kevin tweets in, at Chef in the Wind, and he says, not sure if he's eligible, but should Hart go to the Phantoms for a couple weeks, get his confidence back, some practice? Again, not his fault, but something needs to be done. You know, he can. He's on his entry-level contract, so he doesn't have to clear waivers. He could go to the Phantoms and, and go down there and try and get the, you know, the foundation of his game back in order. And, and I don't know that that's a bad idea um, at this point. Because the NHL is a very unforgiving place to be when you're a young goaltender with confidence issues and the and the structure of your game needs work. First of all, there's not a lot of practice time. We've talked about that. But it's an unforgiving place because shooters in the NHL, now in the NHL, there's, those guys can shoot the puck just as hard, but NHL players are just a little bit more accurate and, and obviously, they're NHL players for a reason. And when they know that you're struggling, they make you pay. They could make you pay in the AHL too, but not to the same degree. So, And the Phantoms are not necessarily having the same struggles structurally as the Flyers. I, I, I imagine it's a consideration at this point. I don't know if it's, you know, their thinking is no way we do that or... We should definitely do that or anywhere in between. I don't know. But he could go to the Phantoms. He is on his entry-level contract, so there would be no sort of waiver issue or anything like that uh, where he'd be able to, somebody be able to, you know, pick him up off waivers if, if they exposed him or waived him in any way. That, that wouldn't happen. Um, at Irish Whiskey tweets in and says, they've looked lost out there in the month of March. What do you think is, quote, the book out there on the Flyers? What are the opposing coaching staffs telling the the team before they take the ice against the Flyers? Again, excellent question. I think um, I, I if I was coaching against them, and what I think they're doing because it's what we see is three things. Number one, attack them with speed. Flyers aren't the fastest team in the NHL, so you attack them with speed, quick transition. And I don't mean just speed as in, like, skating speed. I mean attack them by moving the puck up the ice quickly and stress them quickly um, because a couple of reasons. One, you're back on top of them right away. And two, you you then, you know, every time you move the puck up the ice and you're moving it up quickly, there's decisions that have to be made, and that's where mistakes happen. And when a team is struggling like the Flyers are right now, positional mistakes happen as the puck moves. So move the puck a lot. And then the other thing that I would I would say teams are doing and are obviously coaching is a part of it is east-west passes in the offensive zone. The Flyers last year gave up the third amount, highest amount of east-west scoring chance passes, which is passes basically from dot to dot below the top of the circle. They give up they give up a lot last year, and you're gonna hear Kevin Woodley talk about that in tomorrow's episode because Carter dealt with that last year and was fine. This year he's seeing 
a lot of that obviously again and is not fine. So he'll talk about that. But that's that's the way the NHL is now. That's how you attack east-west in the offensive zone to get that great scoring chance where the goalie has to move a long distance to get there. And the Flyers are not good at defending it. They need to defend those passing lanes much better. Active sticks, bodies in passing lanes. And that's an area, I mean, how many goals have we seen scored like that lately, right? That's an area coaching staff, I guarantee, are telling them to use right now. All right, let's just get to a couple more. Anthony Giampolo. Hope I said it right, Ant. Uh, he said, watching this team, it's hard to define roles for the players. The lack of identity is the true problem. Oh, God, you guys are awesome today. You're so right. And I, I don't know if I've said this on this podcast. I've talked about it on the radio. A team without an identity is a sitting duck. You have to have an identity. You have to know what you are and be it, right, every night. I don't know what their identity is either. They look like a resilient group sometimes because they battle back or, you know, last year they had an identity in the second half. They didn't lose back-to-back games until that Islander series from the very beginning of January. They were a team that would lose a game and go, yeah, we're not losing two, and bounce right back and play well again. That was their identity. This year's team never established an identity. And, Anthony, you are dead right. No identity, huge problem. All right, last one. It goes to uh, Katie Pup at KTP193. And she says, no one has answers. Just make us feel better. Oh, boy. Um, How do I make you feel better (laughs) right now? I mean, we're all raw. (laughs) We're angry. We've had something that we thought we could count on taken away. See, that's the thing with expectations. When you expect something and then it doesn't get delivered upon, it's like you had it even though you didn't, and it's been taken away. And nobody likes that feeling. Nobody likes that feeling. We expected a fun run this year. The next step on the progressive step forward they had last year in Elaine Vigneault's first year, and it hasn't been that. So that doesn't feel good. It, it feels like somebody took something from you, even though we never had it this season. Uh, I wish I could make you feel better. I hope this podcast and the correspondence with all of you on Twitter and everybody that listens um, brings some sanity sanity to the situation. But I, I don't have a magic elixir to make everybody feel better uh, in regards to, to hockey right now. I will just say this. It's bad right now. It's as bad as I can remember it. But remember, it never is as, as bad as... You're never as bad as it seems at your worst, and you're never as good as you are at your greatest. So uh, they're not this bad. They're just playing this bad. When is it going to end? I don't know. We'll see where it goes from here and what the answers are and if they're the correct answers and buttons to push. So I don't know how to make you feel better on this one, Katie. Usually I pride myself. I'm one of those guys that's never go to sleep angry. Never go to bed angry. You know, never go to bed after a fight. Make up before you go to bed. Um, I think I'm going to go to bed angry tonight. There's just no two ways about it. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. Thanks so much. Kevin Woodley from Ingol Magazine will join us for tomorrow's episode. And we're going to break down Carter Hart. 
elements of his game that were there in year one and year two that he's not seeing now? Uh, how do we measure his performance this year? And a lot more. And it's going to be very eye-opening because Kevin's such a good guy at describing uh, goaltending and Carter and all of the ramifications of structure and system, environment. You're going to hear that word, I guarantee it. He's going to say goaltending does not exist in a vacuum, and he's right. So uh, tune in tomorrow for that, and we'll get you ready for Flyers-Rangers at 1 o'clock on Saturday. We'll see what the response is. In the meantime, everybody, try and enjoy your Friday. Do your best to enjoy your Friday. I appreciate you listening. I'm going to go to bed angry now. But thanks for listening. We'll talk to you on tomorrow's Flyers Day. Stay-